Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. It's a powerful story. Yeah. I actually saw a bit of an interview done between the two of them, and it just the power of forgiveness. And I want to talk about forgiveness this morning. I kind of want to start here. How many in this room, maybe not something that drastic, but you have been hurt and hurt deeply by someone that either you had a difficult time forgiving or maybe to this day can't quite forgive. Anybody in this room? Yeah. I think all of us have. And if, by the way, if for some strange stroke of luck you have not yet experienced that, you will. Because <laughs> you don't have to be alive very long in this world to be hurt. And, and a lot of the hurts of life are minor dings and scratches, the things that we kind of overlook and just move on. But there are sometimes those hurts that go so deep and, and hurt so badly that we find it almost impossible, if not impossible, to truly forgive. We're in this series we're calling Outrageous. Just look at some of the outrageous claims and things that Jesus said. And, and probably few things are more outrageous than what he taught about forgiveness. Um, it's just, it just goes so counter to, to what we really want to see happen. But forgiveness is a very, very powerful thing. And it's, it's those kinds of hurts, those deep hurts that I want to talk about this morning. Not only just why to forgive, but, but how you can forgive. So this morning, that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at this in two parts. The first part is why. Why do we bother forgiving? Why should we forgive? And hopefully help you understand what's behind all that so that we can get to the next step, which is actually how. How do I forgive somebody? Jesus talked an awful lot about forgiveness. And we're going to look at one passage this morning. It's actually a story that he told. It's found in Matthew chapter 18, if you want to turn there. And uh, he tells the story based on a conversation that Peter, one of his disciples, uh, had with him. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, he's thinking, seven times, that's, that's pretty good. Okay, that, that's kind of going above and beyond. Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. That's a pretty outrageous story. (laughs) 
It's an outrageous idea, this idea of forgiveness. Some pretty sobering words. Why was Jesus so emphatic? Why does Jesus use such strong language to talk to us about our forgiveness of others? What does he want us to understand? We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. I want to just start with the whys. Why should we forgive? I think one of the first things is, if for no other reason, forgiving is for your benefit. Forgiving is for your benefit. I think Jesus' story is incredibly insightful here because he uses this story, but the way that he describes it, he uses this idea of being thrown into prison. And, and that's exactly what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is an imprisonment. What, what, what makes this, this owner so angry is not that he had to forgive such a great debt. What makes him angry is that the one he forgave is not willing to forgive the other for a smaller debt. And, and really, and this is really, this is the truth about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness locks you in a prison of your own doing. See, that's the, it was this man, it was his own fault that he ended up back in prison. He was forgiven. He was set free. What got him back into prison was his unwillingness to forgive. It says that in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owes. That's what unforgiveness is. It's a prison, and it's a prison of your own making. In fact, he says not only to be thrown into prison, but to be tortured. And the truth of the matter is, unforgiveness is torture to you. It takes its toll on you. We know that. We know it takes an emotional toll on people when they hold on to a grudge. It takes, it takes a spiritual toll. It, it colors and, and impacts their other relationships. It takes a relational toll. But we are discovering more and more that it actually has a physical toll. That unforgiveness causes a level of stress and anxiety in people to the degree that it's a contributor to cardiovascular disease, hypertension. In fact, we're discovering now it actually releases higher levels of adrenaline and cortisol, which end up depleting the resources of the fighter cells that actually fight off cancer. We are discovering more and more. In fact, Stanford University has established the Stanford Forgiveness Project just to discover what is the impact on our physical health by unforgiveness. The truth of the matter is, you think by holding on to a grudge, by holding on to something that somebody has done to you, that you are hurting the other person. You are not. You are only hurting yourself. Think angry birds. Where is that coming from? Okay, anybody know what Angry Birds is? Okay, it's the most downloaded app. If you don't know Angry Birds, you're living in a cave somewhere. I don't know. But anyway, so Angry Birds, for those of you who don't know, um, they're these birds who, for some reason, have something against pigs. I don't know the backstory to the whole thing. I don't know what the pigs ever did to hurt the birds, but there's this war going on, okay? And the pigs have built these nice little protective walls and shells and houses and all these things, and the Angry Birds destroy the houses to get to and kill the pigs, this is the game, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. So they, they got this little slingshot. So the angry birds, you pull them back on the little slingshot on your, uh, on your iPad, and, and they shoot, and they come, and they destroy the house. They destroy the pigs, and you clear the level when you kill all the pigs. Now, here's the problem with all of that. The angry birds end up exploding themselves. And that's what unforgiveness does. You think you're destroying the other person, but you're exploding yourself, it's that serious. We think we're hurting the other person who hurt us. And the truth of the matter, they have long moved on. 
They have long forgotten what they did to you. And you're only killing yourself. So if for no other reason, just purely out of selfish reasons, we need forgiveness. The first person to benefit when you forgive is you. Lewis Smedes put it this way. He said, when we forgive, we set a prisoner free. And then discover that the prisoner we set free was us. When you hold on to a hurt, when you refuse to let go and refuse to forgive, what you are doing is you are making yourself a hostage to the person who hurt you in the first place. Why would you give them that kind of power? The truth of the matter is the longer that you hold on to a grudge, the more the grudge holds on to you. And I just want to ask you this morning, if you're nursing a grudge and you think that's making any difference, let me ask you, how is that working out for you so far? Not very well. I can guarantee you. Why do we forgive? Why should we forgive? First off, simply because it's better for you. You benefit. But there's another reason. Forgiving is really what makes life fairer. Now, this is going to take some explaining because... Really, that's what we want. When somebody hurts us, what do we want to do? We want to hurt them back. We want to retaliate. We want revenge. We want somehow, if they have hurt us, to make sure that they get hurt too. And what we say is, it's only fair. We just want to even the score. But the truth of the matter is, the hurt that I inflict on somebody else is always greater than the hurt that was inflicted on me. Why? Because I feel the hurt much more deeply than the person who hurt me. And so the level of hurt that I'm feeling is not nearly close to the level of hurt they think they may have inflicted or don't even realize they inflicted. And so when I think I'm getting even, what I'm really doing is I am escalating it because I'm hurting to the level that I think I was hurt. And when I hurt to that level, I always hurt more than I was really hurt. And I'm thinking that settles it and that makes it even. But all that does is hurt the other person more. Now, they feel that pain even more than I inflicted it. So what happens? They want to hurt me back. And we get on this escalator of hurt and wounding and pain. And we, treat, we think we're just trying to even the score, but its score never gets even. And you see this over and over and over again. You see this in gang wars. You see this in country wars. You see it in personal relationships. And that's why when, when God gave the law to Moses, he said, wait, 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 wait. This escalating stuff is not going to work. So here's the deal. This is the deal. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, you are not allowed to inflict greater pain than what was inflicted on you. Because God said, this escalating stuff has got to stop. So he put a limit on it. And then, of course, that doesn't work because... We still feel the greater pain, and so we still think we're getting even, and we think we're doing eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but we're doing far greater than that. So Jesus comes along, and he says this. You have heard it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, with the hurt comes hate. And what we say is we just want to get even. We just want to even the score. But the truth is that that hurt becomes nursed so much that it becomes a hatred. Anne Lamott said, unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and hoping the other person's going to die. <laughs> and all it does is fester and hurt us. 
We think what we want is justice and to make things even, to even the score. But it just doesn't work. The only way, the only creative way to really make it fair is to choose to forgive. The only way off that escalator of hate and hurt and wounding and retaliation is forgiveness. It's really the only way to do it. And I know some of the back push that I'm going to get from you is you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know what was done to me. You don't know how badly I was hurt. And I will tell you quite honestly, you're right. I don't. I don't. But I do know the hurts that have been done to me. I do know the people who have wounded me. And I know the level of pain that I felt and the hatred. And I know it because even to this day, in a few cases, there are some of those, when I think of that person, there's just a little twinge that comes up inside. And I begin to realize not done forgiving that person. And that's how you know. And we think, well, that makes me a doormat. That, that just sets me up to keep getting hurt. Forgiveness is just such a weakness. But I will tell you, folks, it is not. It takes incredible courage and strength to forgive somebody. And if you want to see a picture of that, look at Jesus and the cross. Because that's what he was doing. He was absorbing the pain of your sin and mine instead of retaliating and evening the score. See, it takes far more, it takes far more strength, it takes far more courage to forgive somebody than it does to retaliate. And it's the only way to really make things fair. Thirdly, forgiving embodies God's grace. We are called to be witnesses of His grace. We who have been forgiven are called to be forgivers. And that's where the king's anger comes in. What he's really angry about is he forgave, but that forgiveness was not passed on. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You know how often Jesus connected his forgiveness to us with our forgiveness of other people? Just over and over and over and over again. Every time he talked about forgiveness, it was always connected with the idea that God has forgiven us. And I think one of the keys to this story is to understand the difference in the debt that was forgiven. Because the amount that was forgiven by the king of that first servant was insurmountable. It was a debt that was so great, so high, that he could not live long enough and work hard enough over enough years to be able to make it, even if he gave every penny that he earned back to repaying the debt. It was insurmountable. It was impossible. There was no way it was going to be repaid. And he turns to one who owes him what amounts to eh, a couple hundred bucks. And he wants to choke the life out of him because of it. And he won't forgive. The enormity of this debt by comparison to the smallness of the other one. And, and, and here's the truth. You will never have to forgive anybody for anything greater than what God has already forgiven you. And that's why Jesus keeps making this. He, he taught us to pray. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. He says, this is the way my heavenly father will treat you if you will not forgive. Understand. Now, 
I know some of you are going to ask the question, does that mean God's forgiveness is conditional? No, it is not. We talked about this last week. We are all deeply in need of his grace and his forgiveness. We have a debt we cannot pay. And what Christ did on the cross has paid that debt in full. We know that. And that is truth. That is, we are saved in his grace and in his forgiveness. But what he is saying is, you will never fully understand my forgiveness. You will never really enter into this relationship with, with me fully until you're willing to forgive somebody else. Because you don't understand how much I have forgiven you until you have to really forgive somebody. You don't understand it. See, we don't kind of, kind of think of ourselves as those kinds of people. We're not those mean, evil, horrible people. But the truth of the matter is our debt is far greater than any debt somebody has toward us. You will never be asked to forgive somebody of anything that is greater than what God has forgiven of you. What it does is it weakens our relationship. And we don't fully grasp the grace of God. And we cannot possibly talk about God's forgiveness and grace if we are not able to forgive and extend that grace to somebody else. Because if we try that, it's just words. You can't talk about grace, but be unwilling to, accept, to extend it. Because Jesus' whole life and ministry was about grace and forgiveness. And the last one, and this actually starts to go to the why. Forgiving will transform your heart. It will transform your heart. From the why to the how. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And I think those are some key words in that story. Because we can't do this on our own. That kind of a decision, that kind of forgiveness, that's going to take a change of heart. C.S. Lewis said, everybody thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have to forgive. Forgive from the heart means I need a change of heart. And I think that's why the things that Jesus left his followers and us always bring us back to the cross. That's why he instituted what we celebrate when we celebrate communion. So that we recognize on a regular basis as we come together, the only reason we have a relationship with God is because of what he has done to forgive us. And he says, do this often in remembrance of me because we need to be reminded that it's only because of his grace. And the emblems that we take together of broken bread and, 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 and the emblem of his shed blood, his broken body, his shed blood, are the reminders of what he did to forgive us so that we would always remember it's not because we're great people. It's because of his great grace. And that's really where the how comes into play. How do you change your heart? It's a process, and it's going to take time. And the longer that you've held on to that, the longer it's going to take to let it go. But it is a process you can go through. The first is this. Acknowledge the hurt and the hate. See, when I acknowledge the hurt, I'm not excusing it. I'm not, I'm not overlooking it. What I'm saying when I acknowledge the hurt is, yes, I have been hurt. You hurt me. When I acknowledge the hurt, I am holding somebody accountable. This isn't just something we're going to smooth over. This is one of we're just going to kind of get by or, or push down and pretend it never happened. No, you hurt me. And so the very first step is I need to acknowledge that hurt, that I have been hurt. And with that, I need to acknowledge the hate. And here's why. 
because I don't like to think that I'm a hateful person. But if I cannot look at that person eventually without those feelings of anger coming back up, then I have not completed the process. So to start the process, I need to acknowledge I have been hurt, and because of the hurt, there's a hatred. There is an anger there. And if I don't acknowledge those two, I will never be able to complete the process. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, writer Hebrews wrote, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Acknowledge the hurt and acknowledge the hate. I'm holding that other person accountable. They hurt me. And yes, I'm holding myself accountable for my anger and my hatred. And if I cannot think of that person or think of that situation without that anger kind of welling up inside, then I'm not done with the process. So acknowledge the anger, acknowledge the hurt, acknowledge the hatred. Secondly, embrace God's forgiveness. He forgave you. See, that's the one thing that brings us all back together. That we are all in need of forgiveness. Ephesians 5.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. When we remember God's forgiveness of us, you know what it does? It reduces the gap between us and our wounders. Because we begin to understand we are all in need of grace. We are all in need of forgiveness. And, and what happens is when we've been hurt and with that hatred, what we do is we start to make that other person out to be a monster, to be something other than they are. Yes, they are a wounder. Yes, they are a hurter. Yes, that is true about them, but it is not the only truth about them. When I acknowledge that I am in need of forgiveness and God has forgiven me, when I keep coming back to God's grace, it levels the playing field all the way around. And I begin to understand, and I begin to look at that other person through a different set of eyes. They are not the monster that I have created in my mind about them. They are simply other, another human being who is flawed, who is needy, who is stupid, just like me. And it allows me to look at somebody with a different set of eyes. Instead of the monster I've made them out to be, to recognize, now they're just another human being. Flawed, just like me. See, God's grace keeps bringing me back to that. So embrace the grace and forgiveness that God has given to you. Understand that. And then, and then make the commitment to forgive. And you got to make a commitment to it. Because like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And so you commit to the process. Forgiving happens a little at a time. Peter asked Jesus, how many times? How many times do I do it? Seven times? He said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, this is going to take a lot of doing. And you got to keep doing it. Now, here's some other pushback that I know I'm going to get on all this. So let me, let me answer a few of those things. One of the questions that comes up is this one. What if they never ask for forgiveness? Do I have to forgive if they never acknowledge they hurt me? Can I forgive if they, if they never ask for forgiveness? Yes, you can. You can do your side of it. You can choose to let go. If you are waiting for them to come and ask for forgiveness, you still have given them control over your situation. You can make the decision to forgive without... It might be one-sided, 
But the truth of the matter is, very often, you will not get that opportunity. A lot of times, people will not come back. They may not even know that they hurt you, or they may have done it on purpose, and they have no, de- no desire to get reconciled with you. It may be that that person who hurt you has now died and long gone, and you will never get them to come back and ask for forgiveness. So you've got to make a decision about that. Can you forgive even if somebody doesn't ask for forgiveness? Yes, you can. You commit to the process of letting go. And you decide to do it. Another question. What if they keep hurting me? Do I have to keep setting myself up to be hurt over and over again? No, you do not. You do not. You can forgive somebody and not tolerate their behavior. You can forgive but not leave yourself open to be hurt again. You can forgive without even the relationship being fully restored because maybe it's an abusive relationship. You can still forgive, but you don't have to keep setting yourself up to be hurt over and over again. And the last one, do I have to forget to forgive? Because I don't know if I can forget. No, you don't. I don't think you do. I don't think you have to. It's great if you can. And God's healing process may bring you to the point where you can. But I don't think you have to forget to really to have been able to forgive. In fact, I think you can forgive without forgetting. The key is when you remember, what do you remember? If you can remember without the malice, without the anger, without the need for retribution, if you can remember and not have those feelings, that's forgiveness. See, it's not, it's not an all or nothing. It is a process. And the, like I said, the longer that you've had it, the, the deeper it goes, the harder it may be. But God is in the business of changing hearts, and he can change yours. So you've got to acknowledge the hurt and the hate. You've got to come really close to the grace of God in your own life and his forgiveness. And then just commit to the process. Lewis Smedes wrote one of the best books I think I've ever written, read, uh, written, read on forgiveness. And he writes these words at the end of his book. He said, if you are trying to forgive, even if you manage forgiving in fits and starts, if you forgive today and hate again tomorrow and have to forgive again the day after, you are a forgiver. Most of us are amateurs, bungling duffers sometimes. So what? In this game, nobody is an expert. We are all just beginners. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.